Hello and welcome to another episode of Media MD, the podcast where each fortnight one of us prescribes a piece of media that the other host has somehow missed. Uh, my name is Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. I actually forgot my own name for a second there. <laughs> anyway, let's keep going. We're professional. Um, so this fortnight, I'm bringing you a piece of media, Elliot, which is a movie called Coherence from 2013. Okay. So you haven't heard of it or anything, right? No, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. So before we get into this, I'm going to say this is probably my favorite movie of all time, I think. Okay. I think Two I out of ten. <laughs> yeah, so just when you watch it, be very careful what you give it a score out of 10. No, but um, if if not my all-time favourite movie, at least my favourite science fiction movie of all time, um, which is probably my favourite genre, so maybe it's... I don't know. It's 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 hard to quantify, but I'd say this is a very... I, I regard this movie quite highly. Okay. So here's the pitch for this movie. A group of friends who have known each other for a long time gather for a dinner party... And nothing at all weird happens, and everything's great, and it's a lovely time, and nothing weird happens. Sounds, That's my pitch. Sounds delightful. Um, yes, it's a delightful movie. Uh, no, there are weird things that happen, but I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it because this movie is very much driven by its plot. It's by its twists as well. There are a lot of twists and turns in this movie, and anything that I tell you is probably gonna okay. reduce the value of the movie. In fact, even. I was, so don't I was watch the trailer movie, or anything. Like don't watch the trailer. Don't even don't even look at the poster on YouTube because I was yeah. googling this movie and I looked at the poster and even the poster gives away too much of what this movie is about. To be yeah. honest. Okay, so it's you. You want to go in blind, basically. Completely blind. Yeah. Okay. I I wouldn't even tell you the name of the movie except that it's called <laughs> Coherence and that doesn't really tell you anything about anything. So I'm happy to do that. So since I can't tell you anything about the movie <laughs> it's going to be a bit of a weird weird pitching section but uh what i am going to say is i'm, I'm just going to talk a bit about how they filmed the movie because i it's kind of cool and how they filmed it will hopefully get you excited to watch it without actually spoiling it right. the one spoiler i'm going to give you is that at some point some weird stuff starts happening right at some point in the movie <laughs> but i'm not going to tell you any more than that that's that's already too much so it's ruined yeah so so the movie's about the movie starts out with these eight friends having this dinner party um at this one person's house and they're kind of hanging out and these are the friends who you can tell kind of know each other they're like a friend group but they don't see each other all that often okay. and yeah and so the way this movie was filmed is quite interesting um it's it's like a it's an indie movie, right? It was filmed for about fifty thousand dollars, and I, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have a scale of how much movies cost, so I I pull, pulled up two other indie movies to scale it on. So Primer was an indie movie that was filmed for seven thousand dollars and is kind of regarded as being really really low budget. Yeah. And then Blair Witch Project was filmed for about sixty thousand dollars, and that was just kind of some cameras in a forest. So you can imagine that fifty thousand dollars is quite cheap on the movie, the indie movie scale, right? Yeah. And so the way it was filmed was that the, the creators of the film basically just got eight actors and over five days just got them to kind of interact a bunch. Um, in fact, they didn't even have a script for most of it. It was basically just each day an actor would show up and the, the director would give them kind of a page of notes on what their character's motivations were and what they were kind of doing that day. And then they would just film them improvising over the day. Oh, okay. And... Obviously, they edited it down a lot from that, but yeah. the, they did this to kind of... It, it kind of got these really genuine interactions between these people, and 
it, I was reading an interview and the, the director said that by day two or three of filming, they were having these really genuine interactions and they kind of felt as though they were friends just because they had been pretending to be these longtime friends for two or three days. <laughs> so it it kind of leads to this first third of the movie where they're just having this dinner party. Um, it kind of leads to them really setting the stage for these characters and really getting you invested into these characters in, in, a, in a really interesting way. And it, it helps the payoff of what happens later um, be a lot more impactful for sure. Okay. I mean, I don't want to talk about it too much. Uh, I'm going to give you one more spoiler, I think, which is that there is, there are like some small jump scary kind of moments later on in the movie and things like that weren't in any of the pages of notes and because there weren't any scripts or anything the actors oh yeah they get they get genuinely scared yeah so they got all these genuine reactions i mean they knew they were still in a movie but they were they're reacting genuinely to everything that happens and as these characters kind of as this weird stuff starts happening that the reactions that they're getting really feel grounded and genuine in the context of them having being this group of friends which is really I don't know. It really makes it a, a a movie that you can get invested in, which is cool. Okay. Of course, it's not like it wasn't like planned. You know, like I, I in this same interview, actually, the the two creators of the movie were developing this movie for like two years, just drawing maps and planning out how the movie would actually work. But they just didn't. I don't know. It was just an interesting way of filming it, I guess. Well, so you said they they sort of did it all just in a couple of days. Like, did they basically get the whole movie done in those five? days or whatever you said yeah they just filmed over five days i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty like bodily kind of movie it okay. takes place mainly in this one house which is the director's house it turns out um, yeah of course yeah so it it is quite bottled in this one place for sure i mean they go outside a little bit but that's kind of how they managed to film it over five days they just set up the lighting so that it was nighttime lit for nighttime and then that's it they just run it for five days and see what they get i guess and what they got was a pretty good movie, so I'm recommending it to you. And we can't really talk about it too much more because I don't want to spoil anything, but give it a crack and see how you go. I imagine we'll have a fair amount to talk about in the second part of this episode. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll make up for it in the second half. Yeah, so uh, we'll meet back in two weeks and I'll, I'll hand us off to Future Ruben right now. Here you go, Future Ruben. Thanks, Past Ruben. Now, before we continue, I would just like to point out that we will be talking about spoilers for Coherence. Um... And like we said in the first part of this episode, in the prescription part, it is a movie that definitely is important to not go into it spoiled. So if you haven't seen Coherence yet, you can pause your podcasting device and we will be waiting here for you when you get back. Um, otherwise, let's continue with the show. Yes, so we are back two weeks later. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about so, it. Let's talk about Coherence. Yeah. Well, yeah, so I watched it last night. Um, All right, nice and recent. And I- <laughs> yep. Uh, and so I guess the first thing I'll say is like, I'll, I'll go through the plot and everything, but if, if anybody is listening and they think they might want to watch this, you should probably bail now. Cause I think Ruben's right. The less you know about this going in the better. Yeah. It really made for an awkward first part of the episode, but you know, <laughs> um, yeah. So we may, we may as well double down now. Um, yeah. Also. Okay. Anyway, so if you haven't seen the movie, this is probably going to start to ruin it. But uh, yeah, I mean, like like you said, there's a bunch of friends and they go and have dinner. Um, the eight of the six of them. I think six, it's eight. Six to eight friends go and have dinner. And then there's like a comet going over uh, and through some very loose science fiction reasonings, the comet sort of tears a hole in reality uh, and sort of exposes all of the alternate 
timelines to each other. So if you, when they leave the house, they're sort of seeing uh, alternate realities that spawned from when their dinner started, which is when the comet arrived. And it's basically just sort of a, a sci-fi horror movie built around that. So they're constantly running into other versions of themselves and generally causing panic for no reason. But, you know, that's sort of what people do in these situations. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this coherence subscribes to the every possible choice branches out reality timeline yeah. kind of theory where let's say you flip a coin. If it lands on heads, that's one timeline. If it lands on tails, that's a different timeline. And that applies to every single decision that everyone makes. So yeah, obviously exactly. there's a huge 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 amount of timelines in this kind of yeah, theoretical well, even, reality even after a few seconds with eight of them in the house they're all constantly making decisions um yeah. and and yeah and it's it sort of slowly re- revealed so at first it, it kind of seems like there's only one or two different um houses or realities that have been exposed to each other and then you sort of slowly they, they start to realize that it's actually infinite and most of the characters are no longer in the house they the were correct originally reality. in. Um, yeah. And there's lots of good switches and fake outs there. As the group splits up, it's revealed that each time they go outside the house and come back in, they're going into a completely random reality. And so yeah. I think there's only, at the end, there's only one or two that are actually from the original reality. Yeah, well, so two of the women never left the house, at least in the realities that, that we saw. Yeah. And so they were still from their original house, but then there were different mixes from the other groups from when they all got split up. Yeah, and we're following one of the characters who goes out and comes back in to what she thinks is her original reality, but it's revealed yeah. that it's not. And then yeah. she just sort of gives up on that, and uh, it's got a nice finish where she sort of wanders around until she finds one where they'd been completely oblivious and, uh, oblivious and they were still happy. So she yeah. just kills the version of herself that's there. Um, oh, actually, no, she doesn't manage to kill her. She was really terrible at killing people. Um, which yeah, I guess is, she... is kind of a compliment, um, in any situation, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, I think we should talk about the ending a bit because it is a bit of a weird ending. So this main character girl, she, she, her group has kind of fallen apart to infighting and she realizes that this is just like unsalvageable. And so she just leaves and tries to find a, a reality where people are better and she finds one where everyone is just happy and, and basically nothing's happened and they haven't ventured outside or anything. And so she kills the version of herself in there in kind of desperation slash not really knowing what to do and then tries to take her place. Um, but then the next morning after the comet has passed, we kind of pick up on her again and the movie ends with her husband or I think boyfriend, I'm not sure. It was a little unclear. Yeah, getting a phone call from the original her and so it, it ends with the, the husband or the boyfriend looking at the phone and being like it's you and then it kind of just cuts to black right yeah basically um and i thought like one of the things i really liked about this movie were were the little clever details so for instance the way she gets wait when she wants to murder herself the way she mm. gets the other her, her away from the rest is to break the window in the car because she remembers that in her reality when somebody else had broken that window, she'd run off to check her car by herself. Yeah. So she she was able to count on herself or Doing on her other self thing. to do that. And so that and you know because as soon as she smashes the car window, um, you know, as the viewer, the whole plan, her whole plan just sort of falls into place without them having to explain it, and that was kind of cool. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the things I really like about this movie is it is quite intricately planned out. Yeah, but it, it doesn't it, it it like it presents the clues in such a way that you often figure out what they're realizing as they're realizing it without them need to needing to like just say it through exposition. Like they often will later, yeah. but they have those moments where they're staring at the clue or whatever and you can sort of be like, oh, like, this means that. Yeah, you're and, figuring it out as the characters are figuring it out. Yeah, exactly. And and that was really, yeah. really cool. And I think that's that's harder to do than it would seem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things where, like, a reveal will be obvious or hidden from the characters and you'll just be shouting at your screen for, like, in a TV show, one or two episodes just waiting for the ball to drop. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it's nice to kind of have these things be discovered as the characters kind of discover them. It is, I mean, you described it as a horror sci-fi, which I guess is accurate, but it's also quite a mystery. I mean, when the movie starts, we don't really know what's going on. All we know is that there's these weird things like photos of the group with numbers on the back of them that were clearly, that clearly don't make any sense in their reality. And so we, we almost from the very start, we know that really weird shit is starting to happen. What I thought was interesting with the box they found at the start, because, you know, then later on they have the idea to make their own box and they sort of realise yeah. that they're copying themselves. Who was this first group that made the box so quickly? Like, they really had their <laughs> shit together. Should we should we um, explain what the box is? Yeah, well, so once they realise that there's all these realities, they decide that they need a way to identify which one's theirs. So they basically make a box with um, photos of them and random numbers and random objects that they're meant to be able to use to identify which reality is theirs. And it doesn't Mm. really ever seem to have worked at any point in the movie, but various realities keep trying it anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it works in the sense that a lot of the people suddenly realize that they are not, the whole twist of the people aren't in their correct reality comes because the main character realizes that the stuff she put in the box originally isn't the same stuff that is in this box. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and so I think that was probably the main point. That's kind of when of, the other shoe drops. Yeah, but I'm just I'd be very interested to see the story behind the house that where they stole the original box. <laughs> that from. did the first box. They were, they they were, were so, so ahead, ahead of the curve. curve. <laughs> yeah. Um there is one really interesting moment I want to talk about, which is the first kind of thing that they do is they give a they once the comet passes over, all the power goes down into the neighborhood. And so yeah. two people head off to see a house with lights on up the street to try and see if they have a working phone or anything to get in contact with people, right? Yeah. And so they give out these glow sticks because all the power's out. They need some form of um, some form of light. And, and the host realizes that she has these old glow sticks, a box of blue glow sticks and a box of red glow sticks that are, are lying around her house. And a green And she one. gives the group... She doesn't, she doesn't have the green ones, though. She only has blue ones and red ones, right? No, they had, they had green as well. There was like a third oh, color they? that comes in right at the end, yeah. Yeah, but the the host in the original reality doesn't have green, right? She just has blue and red. Oh, maybe. <laughs> you, uh, you've already, kind of spoiled the moment a little detail. bit. Anyway. But, uh, so the host gives out these, asks if they want blue or red, and they choose blue. And so they get, give out these blue glow sticks. And as they're kind of going to this other house, they see another group with red glow sticks. And this kind of sets up a us versus them mentality, right? Yeah. And so this kind of plays into the whole, at the start, you only think that there's one other reality, their house and the house down the street, which is them, but with red glow sticks, right? Yeah. And then at some point you see green glow sticks and it just drops this thing like, oh fuck, this is way bigger than <laughs> you realized, mm. which is, I think is a really cool moment from the movie. Which I guess you didn't really get because they had you thought they had green glow sticks the whole way through. I, 
it's it still sort of has the same idea um because it still shows that there's a third one which implies that there's probably one more yeah yeah but yeah um no i actually i i confused myself a little bit in the movie because i guess having watched stuff like primer uh hmm. and other other sort of mind mind bending movies i was just constantly hmm. waiting for this thing where it it like there was going to be a twist at the end of a scene that we'd actually been with a different set like so you know how we sort of the whole movie follows oh, yeah. the one uh the one girl uh i forget her yeah. name already um the the you only girl. watched it last night i yeah, have I a reason for forgetting her name you should know her name <laughs> um the blonde girl uh, i sort of follows her mm-hmm. but i kept i kept waiting for a scene that would finish with it suddenly revealing that we'd been watching a different group so mm. i was constantly i was entering most scenes with that mentality to be ready for that and i think i actually confused myself more by trying to outsmart the movie and, and pre and preempt that twist. Yeah, I, that never really happens. No, it didn't. But I constantly was waiting for it to happen and thought I was being clever by not like or trying to pick up on any discrepancies. <laughs> you were you were trying to out clever yourself in the movie. Yeah, I did. Uh, it didn't yeah, work no, at all. we follow the same one instance of this character throughout the yeah. whole thing but she does kind of pop in and out of various groups which is kind of revealed so i guess you kind of get that but not really yeah not to this degree where you think you've been watching one character and it's suddenly another character no yeah they don't they don't swap them out like i was expecting <laughs> um and for a while i thought it was going to be time travel shenanigans because the um the whole movie has a very sort of claustrophobic camera style yeah which, which like, I think a lot of indie films tend to sort of use. Yeah, it's very intimate, I would describe yeah. it as. Yeah, I, yeah, that's a good word for it. And it actually kind of reminded me of a film I watched uh, five or six years ago called Triangle. Okay. Um, which, which, if you like this film, is probably worth seeing. And I actually, when I went to the IMDb page for Coherence last night, it was like, if you like this, you will also like Triangle. And I was like, <laughs> hey, yeah, I, I, I did. <laughs> give uh, me the cliff notes on Triangle. Um, it's, it's a very similar idea. There's basically, there's a, there's a woman, um, and she sort of goes out to hang out on a boat with some of her friends and then science fiction shenanigans ensue. And that's pretty much all Mm. I want to say. Um, all right, fair enough. Fair enough. But yeah, it, it was quite similar in both style and, um, sort of plot to coherence, uh, just using a different sci-fi angle. Um, yeah, fair enough time travel i'm assuming from what you said before yeah um yeah so basically it has it has like some time travel stuff in it which um you know so i was constantly because coherence reminded me of it i was waiting for time travel stuff for ages and then it became the alternate reality stuff and that really caught me off guard (laughs) which was cool yeah well i mean once you go into a sci-fi movie you basically almost always expect time travel to be the kind of mind fuckery that's coming in yeah well and especially since primer uh, especially since primer exactly from that (laughs) <laughs> so I'm recovered from those boxes <laughs> all right uh, so do you have anything more to say or should we jump into our our ratings um well i guess you know i just it was interesting because you know I'd, I'd forgotten when i watched it the stuff you mentioned about how they made it um in the first part of this episode and and i'm just sort of thinking on that now it's, it's actually pretty makes it kind of cool that they sort of managed to achieve it with sort of no script and just having actors you know figure out their characters and stuff rather than just yeah i was wondering if i if mentioning that would have kind of changed your experience of how you saw it but 
you said you f- you forgot when you were watching. Yeah, I did. Um, All right, so I guess that experiment didn't work. <laughs> uh, no, the only the only thing I noticed was uh, the guy, the guy who played the drunkard. I think his name was Mike. Mm. He he was one of the main characters in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> uh, like the actor, that was that was as far as anything I noticed. Because everyone, I think everyone else so you're, is pretty much a no name. Like they're all just you're expecting the twist to be that they were all vampires. Yeah, they're all they're all suddenly vampires. And uh, well, you know that 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 reality didn't pop into the movie, but it would have been a nice twist. <laughs> the vampire reality. They're saving that for coherence too, where they go to all the different themed realities. <laughs> um, so going back to what you said, I think there is something to say where it's kind of impressive that they made it in such an improv improvisational way because it is so like meticulously planned of a movie that it is quite impressive that they just kind of improvised it together mm. and i mean but yeah because i i thought as i was watching it i thought the acting was quite good because it sort of did actually seem like they were friends who'd yeah. grown up together and weren't seeing each, each other as much these days yeah, they're like they have this chemistry of like a friend group who clearly have known each other for a long time, but there's a bit of tension between some of them, and yeah. you know, there's these outliers to the group and all this other stuff. Yeah, and that that sort of came across really well, and so I guess I wonder if the improvisational style, you know, would help lots of other movies with mm. that, or whether this was just sort of the right people to build a stronger chemistry between the actors. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I mean, from what I, from the sense I got when I was researching, I think the director just picked some of the people that he, like actors that he knew. So I don't know if they were, if they all knew each other already, or if it was just because of that improvisational okay. style. But uh, it it definitely would have helped, I reckon. Mm. Anyway, let's go into um into your review, your final thoughts. Yeah. Um. Final thoughts. It was good. Uh, you heard it here first you're not gonna you're not gonna pan it like you were uh, threatening to do no no uh no it was, it was good i don't know i don't know if i'd go as far as to say it's like my favorite science fiction movie or anything but it's it's definitely good like i'd still probably give it a um i don't know a seven and a half and eight out of ten um all right i can I'd, live with I'd, that like i'd bring it up to to groups of people depending on the the vibe of the room if people are sort of into that kind of movie because i think it's it's an intense film, so you'd want mm. people to be in the right right headspace to sort of go into it. It's not just yeah. A, I guess a I'm a fan one. of I'm a fan of those kind of like mind fucky style movies, and this is the one that I feel like has actually mind fucked me the most when I watched it. Like the yeah. twists aren't too obvious, and the way the characters act and everything works is realistic enough that it actually mind fucked me in a way that probably no other movie has really done, except maybe Shutter Island. I don't know. Mm. no I, yeah i definitely agree with that the twists it, i very much got the impression i was picking the twists as i was meant to there was never really a point where i felt like i saw them coming except maybe the one where when uh the blonde girl first left to start looking for a reality to kill herself um <laughs> like i think that was maybe the only one i picked up about 30 seconds before i was meant to but everything else it was yeah. like it was very clear it was like they wanted the shoe to drop at that moment yeah which, yeah, which I guess speaks to their skill as filmmakers. But yeah. anyway, now that you've given your rating, 8 out of 10, I think it was, mm-hmm. 7.5 to 8. All right, so that's pretty good. I can I can live with that as a rating for a movie that I hold quite dear. I'm glad it wasn't any lower. <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks for listening to another episode of Media MD. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us and tell us how all our, all our opinions on that were incorrect, then you can do so at mediamdpodcast.com, which is our website, or by emailing us at mediamdpodcast at gmail.com, uh, or by Twitter or Facebook or whatever else. Just go to the website. It's all there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so next week we will be taking a look at the TV show Westworld. So check that out in advance if you want to be spoiler-free. Um, we'll see you in two weeks.